Hello. Are you put off by the use of jargon or specialist words by people who want to sound knowledgeable or just simply clever? If so, I hope we avoid that here on Search for Truth radio programmes. Yes, you're listening to Search for Truth. And by the way, thanks from me and the crew here for joining us. Sometimes the use of specialist words is unavoidable, but they cut down a great deal of extra words if we have to explain their meaning. Everyone in the know, or members of the group, know what's being talked about. And here on Search for Truth, the word salvation is a case in point. Do I take it for granted that everyone knows what it means? I shouldn't, because it's a biblical word of great importance. But to today's society, it's generally jargon and can be meaningless to those unfamiliar with the Bible or Christianity. It needs to be explained. And that's the aim of Brian's talk today. What is salvation? Thanks, John. The story has gone viral on the internet about a man who for many years in his retirement used to stand on a street in the city of Sydney, Australia, and hand out religious pamphlets. They were evangelical leaflets presenting the Christian message that our only personal hope is to be found in Jesus Christ. His experience was that nearly everyone was apathetic, almost totally indifferent. As a result, he developed a very direct approach. He would stand forward and respectfully challenge bypassers by inquiring if they were saved. And if they died that night, would they be sure of going to heaven? We might wonder what the modern shopper or commuter might understand by the word saved. But the anecdotal evidence at least points to the extraordinary effectiveness of the direct approach used by this white-haired elderly gent. But I want to check if we know exactly what he meant when he used the word saved in that way. There's a Bible verse that uses the word just as he meant it. In fact, I'll read two verses, if I may. They're found in the Apostle Paul's Bible letter written to believers at Ephesus in the first century. It's in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. In fact, in each study in this series, I'd like to take up one of the five key words from those two verses we've just read. In this first study, we'll be looking at the word saved, as the Bible has it here. The Bible itself uses this word in different ways which the context always makes clear. That's no different from us, of course. Depending on context, we might talk about being saved from drowning or being saved from bankruptcy or simply saving ourselves from making a bad mistake. In this Bible verse we've read, which said, By grace you have been saved, the sense is that of the ultimate salvation, a salvation which is from God's eternal wrath and judgment in the lake of fire when this life is over. On the 20th of August in 1993, I remember sitting in a hospital waiting room. I can no longer recall the circumstances, but what I can tell you is this. There was a coffee table there with reading material on it, and on it was a tabloid newspaper. Its headline seemed to scream out at me that day. It proclaimed, Out of Hell! 
it was reporting on a coal mining disaster and the rescue of some miners from an underground inferno. It gripped me for two reasons. My father had worked underground in the mining industry, and once I'd written a school essay about just such a horror as this. As a result, my heart went out to the families involved. But as a student of the Bible, in no way do I believe their ordeal can be compared with the unending horror of hell, as the final judgment of the lake of fire is normally referred to. Jesus Christ did graphically compare the fire of God's judgment with the city of Jerusalem's smouldering municipal rubbish dump in his day, so I'd better clarify what I mean. It was the tabloid headline I was thinking of when I spoke of a false comparison. You see, there are no exit signs in the lake of fire. No one escapes. It's a final destination, an ultimate destiny that awaits some of us. No one will come out of hell. To counter civil unrest, a British politician, John Patton, once suggested that preachers should do more hellfire preaching. But the problem is that the Western world, and even its religious spokespersons, have lost that vision. According to Lifeway Research's survey on theology, the concept of eternal judgment proves to be especially unpopular. Only four in ten Americans believe hell is where God sends all people who don't accept Christ as a saviour. The biggest religion in Scotland remains Christianity, with 37% identifying as such. Researchers also question people about their detailed religious beliefs. In all cases, the majority of those questioned said they didn't believe in concepts such as heaven, hell or a day of judgment. More than two-thirds didn't believe in hell. This was reported in the Scotsman newspaper in August of 2018. Let's ask if this could potentially be a contentious biblical interpretation. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 66 and verse 16 sets the tone. The Lord will execute judgment by fire. And Jesus, the kindest and truest of men, had more to say on the subject of hell than he ever said about heaven. There are 12 recorded occurrences in the New Testament, six of them from the lips of the Lord and on more than four separate occasions. Let's just quote one of them verbatim. Jesus said, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. And yes, at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 20 and verse 14, we read that death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Those words don't allow for multiple interpretations. Eternal or everlasting punishment, described in terms of a fiery torment, is the plain reading of these texts. The Bible warns repeatedly that this fate is factual, it is fearful, it is fair, and it is final. And that latter point was the one we were stressing by way of criticising the tabloid's theology. Unfortunately, even religious institutions that support an orthodox, biblical understanding of eternal fiery judgment at the same time advocate a non-biblical and unorthodox message of how to be saved from it. 
And once again, surveys of popular opinion show that their message, and not the Bible's message, is tragically the one that is being believed, with more than 50% of people polled typically thinking that their own works can rescue them from this judgment by fire. That's got to be the biggest lie in the world, you know, both in terms of the number of people involved in it and in terms of how high the stakes are. There truly can be no bigger lie than this, that you can get yourself out of going to hell. In the middle of 2017, the United Kingdom saw a tragic example of what happens when people are fatally misled into doing what others, even others in authority, are telling them. The Grenfell Tower fire occurred on the 14th of June 2017 at the 24-storey block of public housing flats in West London. It caused more than 80 deaths. Public anger was fuelled by alleged failings surrounding the safety of the building, including allegations that fire doors hadn't been fitted. Separate sources told newspapers that not all the front doors in the tower block were fireproofed. This is hugely significant because official fire department advice was for people to stay in their rooms in the event of a fire, and that thinking is critically dependent on there being fire doors offering protection to residents who are told not to leave the building. Sedani Atmani said his neighbour on the 15th floor, a man he knew as Stephen, died because he had followed fire department's instructions to stay in his flat. A lot of people died, he said, because of what they were told to do. It was horrible. In the end, the result was that people perished in the flames because they did what the authorities told them. It was a horrific case of obediently doing what the authorities you believed in were telling you only to discover that it was in actual fact the wrong thing to do. Now compare doing what your religious institution tells you all the while thinking it will save you from the lake of fire and then one day discovering too late that it's been totally the wrong advice. By then it will be too late, for as we've said, there's no exit from the lake of fire. That much should be clear enough, even from the Lord's description of an eternal fire and eternal judgment. Once there, it's too late. There's no going back. It's eternal. Now, remember our two Bible verses? Let's hear them again. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. On that basis alone, the idea that we save ourselves from future judgment by the good we try to do now is clearly shown to be false and wrong. We need to go with what the Bible says and not with what anyone else or any institutional religion says. If they say anything different to these verses, which are our text for this series of studies, then the result will be even more serious than for those poor people who followed the fire department's instructions at Grenfell. I now hope that the Bible meaning of salvation at this point is now clear it's being saved, literally, from a fate worse than death. Jesus once said, you know, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do, but I will warn you whom to fear. 
Fear the one who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Luke 12, verses 4 and 5. We've been given fair warning that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Romans 1, verse 18. And the Bible adds, there's not a single one of us exempt from wrongdoing in God's view of things. Romans 3 and 12. Then the Bible gives us what has most appropriately been described in the word gospel as good news. It says, In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins. 1 John 4 verse 10. God's Son is Jesus Christ, declared to be so by his rising from the dead. And the only way to be saved, even if we were to die today, is he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Remind you again, there's a digital ebook which can be yours for the asking, unless you specifically want a paper copy. In which case, write in by post or email and ask for 60 minutes to raise the dead. Our postal address first, and that's Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4 8DY UK. Search for Truth, P.O. Box 748, Ringwood, Victoria 3134, Australia. Search for Truth, P.O. Box 70115, Chilomini, Blantyre, Malawi. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. We're nearly at the end of our programme now, but it's been really great to enjoy the privilege of your company. I look forward to you joining me again next week when we'll be taking a look at what is grace. Until then, it's bye for now. Very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, may God richly bless you.